0: One of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. We're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness. Because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week. Delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsor this week. Squarespace. Squarespace. Squarespace brings the show to you. DLC, of course, the show. All about games in their many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Canada, that spelled with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, Slash Nemesis. The guy who avoids super spreader events, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello,
1: Christian. Hey, Jeff. Hey, everybody. And it's true. I do look bigger in product pictures. Um, you know, like if you put me next to my daughter, I look pretty big, but my fans are quiet. Just um, just know you can't see my UI and everything's good.
0: I don't even get that reference, but I think it's about a video card. Is that a was that a video card statement have that you his Have you
1: not been paying attention to the hands-ons of the PS5, where oh, all it is yeah, is how it looks, big it is and how quiet it is, and it is quiet.
0: That's, that's all that's we're my, my, to know. I've been reading all about those quiet things, but yeah, no, it's, I guess it's going to be pretty big too. Man, we are so close to new consoles. It's wild, and uh, we got. You know, the, the news has been so intense these last few weeks. Uh, the video it feels game like, news or the regular? Well, games? both. Yeah, both. But video both. game news. Video <laughs> game news has been so intense these last few weeks. It feels like we're, you know, it's, it's kind of let up a little bit, but that doesn't mean we don't have tons to talk about. We got games to talk about and we have an awesome guest to do it with. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I am so excited because DLC stands for denies a Luigi connection because ah. we have Mario Not Bros himself the host of one big topic Mario Piacudio. Hey Mario, how's it going? I'm doing great you guys. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. We're excited we got a lot to dig into. We're, we're we've turned the corner into into the fall and I mean, even though it's still 108 at my house right now, but it's still the fall. And that means uh, I think the first big games of the fall are releasing uh, a certain Star Wars game that I want to talk about. I'm excited about. Mm. we got so much to get to. But let's start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the story of the week. Story of the Week, it's the story of the week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or by visiting our subreddit. That's 5 by 5 dlcredditcom That's where cool folks hang out and talk about the show, talk about video games, talk about whatever you want. Uh, we also encourage those emails. If you have any questions, comments, send them to us, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. But Mario... You are a guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Mm, so there, there's a couple big ones that
2: happened this week. I think, I think one of the ones that has rounded the the Twitterverse and it the most so far is is definitely this the situation with CD Projekt Red.
0: Hmm. Yes. CD Projekt Red, uh, making what I think is the most anticipated game that remains in this calendar year, if indeed it arrives in this calendar year. Uh, Indications point to it probably will. Set to release uh, November, what is it, 17th? 13th? Boy, I should have that in front of me. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Now... We heard this week that, uh, according to a Bloomberg report citing an internal email sent to CD Projekt Red staff uh, and developers on Cyberpunk 2077, that the company will be doing mandatory crunch, which means mandatory overtime for the staff, which wouldn't really be notable because it's pretty common in the video games industry, except for the fact that CD Projekt Red is. Pretty vocal, pretty uh, on the record about saying they would never do that. Uh, although they recanted that a few months ago and saying eh, it may actually be necessary. Uh, and now we find out it is necessary. And I wonder, Mar- th- like you said, Mario, there has been a lot of internet discussion uh, about this. And I think there is a lot of people who weigh in who. <laughs> Who don't really have any firsthand knowledge, don't understand what this kind of situation is like for developers, don't understand if... Oh, you called? You know, yeah. I mean, that's well, us. That right? you that's that to chime in? I'm ready. I'm ready to go. <laughs> that's us. Uh, but I wonder what your knee-jerk reaction as a consumer, as a gamer, as someone who is excited perhaps for this release and releases in the past. Um, we know that uh, there is a bit of a churn in the video game industry. And I wonder if this affects your anticipation of this game in any way.
2: Yeah, so with Cyberpunk, that release date, by the way, is November nineteenth. Nineteenth, uh, so
0: I got it it's, wrong twice.
2: <laughs> no, it's okay. It's it's definitely imminent. It's coming, and yeah, CD Projekt Red has been a company I think, especially since the the release of The Witcher Three, their last game, that has been very vocal about being fr- like gamer friendly and consumer friendly, and you know they they were kind of a bastion for a while of the one game company that does it different that. Offers free DLC that has really meaningful expansions, things, things along those lines. I remember when Witcher Three released, they had the thank you note for all the buyers of the game. So they they have this reputation of sort of being different than the quote unquote big bad game companies of of usual. And this is definitely a little bit disheartening to see because when leading up to it, when Adam uh, Badowski, the 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 head of CD Projekt Red had said that they weren't going to do crunch. A lot of people were using that as kind of like, you know, a showpiece of you can release a huge, ambitious AAA game and still treat your workers and your developers right. And, you know, the fact that they had to back down on it is is definitely a little bit disappointing, but it's not like it's only a CD Projekt Red issue, unfortunately. Like you alluded to it, Jeff, it's it's an issue that plagues the game industry, the whole crunch the crunch culture, as it may,
0: yeah, and and I think you, I think you described it excellently. I mean, this is was held up as one of the developers that was doing it right, and they came on the record. They said, "We're not going to behave this way." There was uh, a really prominent interview with my best friend Jason Schreier, uh who, in which there was this adamant. Hey, if people, if someone works for us and says, I have a family and I want to work eight hours a day and be home to see my family through the completion of the game, we're going to support that. Like we are going to make sure that happens, make sure that our company allows that to happen. And of course that's not the case, but we have to also say that there's still a company that allows 10% of their annual profits to be shared split among the team that develops this game they're contributing that and uh part of this statement was hey every hour that is that is worked will be paid this is not hey you're on salary for us so we expect you to give extra hours without any extra pay that these are going to be overtime hours that will be uh, paid in in addition to the base salary so it's not as if they're you know they're just asking more and not providing more these are workers i would i would venture to guess many of them probably uh are willing to do this because they are believe in the product and they're going to get extra money it still seems um like a situation that that might be rough for them and christian i'm wondering what what you think
1: uh yeah <sighs> there's there's a lot to unpack here um At first I thought, okay, this game is maybe going to get delayed, which only made me happy because I predicted it will get delayed again at the beginning, (laughs) at the beginning of the year. So just for a cool ranch prediction or I forget if it was bold or cool ranch, but I would, you know, it's like, Hey, notch in the belt. Um, then I saw a commercial with Keanu Reeves and I was like, Oh, this game's not getting delayed. Like (laughs) they have a lot of money on the line with this game. They already missed one of those opportunities with an Xbox controller and an Xbox, Xbox, And it seems like this game has a pretty hard and fast date that they are going to hit. I'm I'm curious how much COVID changed, you know, the best laid plans of No Crunch and then how much time is lost to uh, transitioning to work from home if they did that or transitioning to make the office safe for employees to come in and work or people taking more personal time to take care of family and to make other arrangements. I could see how... The beast that is 2020 changes even the best laid plans. I I, I don't. It also. Know if- I, th-
0: I also think it's just vi- video games in general and AAA video games in particular are really hard to make and are really hard to put out on any kind of time schedule.
1: Yes, uh, I, I agree with that. I don't know if I agree with you know the you know as we're playing Armchair Quarterback the the speculation that maybe employees are are well are happy to do this even if they get paid more. I can only speak for you know personal family experience, but um, family members who have jobs where they're able to earn more by working more um, aren't often looking to do that because they do value that home time. They have colleagues in jobs that do, and they work around the clock and they make you know big bank. But the family members that I know aren't aren't looking to do that. I also know personally, not even family members, that I've pulled all nighters recently. Um, that I wouldn't have done, but for hey, if you don't do this, no one's saying you're gonna get let go if you don't do this, but like also, we gotta you know we all gotta come together kind of thing, right, so it's like do they want to? I don't know, but uh, not no <laughs> you well, know, me- like yes, they believe in the product, but also no right. one wants to work eighteen hours a day,
0: yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. Uh, Let me submit this. This was an email sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This was sent to us by Kyle from Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, Kyle writes, um, he says, I'm wondering if you guys could shed more light on the crunch for the video game industry and why it's such a huge deal. Every industry has overtime regularly or on occasion. I work in a warehouse for a major grocery chain on average our day. Is eight to ten hours. And as you can imagine, the week or two leading to a holiday is very busy with 10 to 15 hour days. My wife works finance for a big corporation. She works overtime hours monthly, quarterly, and year end close. Year end, she's doing work seven days a week in order to get everything finalized. We are both salary, but we know this is part of it. Talking to friends and family, there is Overtime in almost every profession. In most cases, our companies can't push back deadlines to ease it either, like you can push back a game's release. So why is it such a big deal when we talk about video game crunch over time? seems that all the game journalists and podcasters talk about what a big problem it is. I get it, nobody wants to work forced overtime, nobody. But with it not being exclusive to this industry, why all the complaining, for lack of a better term? Not trying to lack empathy here. Just wondering if I'm missing something, or maybe it can be better explained to us that aren't in the industry professionally. What do you guys make of that, Mario? What do you what do you make of that um, question?
2: Yeah, it's an interesting thing to to bring up that it's not an issue that's exclusive to the video game industry by any means. But I think I think one of the problems that we as as podcasters and, and YouTubers always try to bring up and shed a light on is that. For a lot of people, for video game studios, they're they're not getting paid a a very big amount of money to begin with, and even though that, uh, like, usually the way that it works for most video game studios, these these overtimes, these crunches, they're they're not a weekly thing. They're not maybe once every couple months. You you hear horror stories about how the last six months leading to a game's um, release. They were working seven hour work weeks. Uh, you hear horror stories about people having pillows under their desks so so they could just take a quick nap and keep going through the night. Uh, and, and I think in a lot of situations, developers are just not being compensated enough for the the ridiculous amount of work. And it, there's multiple ways to do overtime. And I think actually, CD Projekt Red, while I still don't think it's ideal, it's one of the best ways to do it where it's just a week leading up to it and you are getting paid extra because they understand you're working extra. It's not like you've heard at many, many other studios where it's a three month long crunch that you just have to kind of stick it through. And it's, it's what Christian was saying. It's a kind of mentality of, well, we're in this together. Let's let's pull through. And, and a lot of times it's, it, it, it's not only just a mandate, but it's kind of a culture. And I think that's yeah. what, that's, what's a problem. It creates a bad work habit in a work, but like bad work culture.
0: Yeah. I, I would push back to, on Kyle and say this, the inverse of your email is how I feel, which is instead of saying everybody does it, why is it bad <laughs> to say it's bad? Why does everybody do it? Uh, I would say, yeah, it's not unique to the video games industry, but it's also pretty bad in every industry. And it, and it speaks to workers' rights, right? I happen to be a pretty big proponent of unions and the idea of a union because it really is the only lever by which a worker has any kind of negotiation power. The, you know, the, um, the, the idea of having a say in whether or not you do this or how you get compensated when you do do this is what collective bargaining is all about. It is the union, the, uh, the workers banding together and saying, Hey, we understand these are the situations, but we want this and this and this in that situation. And that's the problem I think for the video game industry. And it's a problem in a number of industries where, yeah, Kyle, you, you and your wife, uh, willingly do this and, uh, are, In industries, I don't particularly know exactly the industry you're in, but it seems to me that even in the industry where you're asked or tacitly asked or even you volunteer it because that's just the way it is, it kind of shouldn't be that way, right? You shouldn't be working 10 to 15 hour days and being paid for eight. Um, So I I would just say there's nothing unique about the video game industry except for the fact that we're talking about the video game industry. It, It does, to me, feel like, an issue about workers' rights in general and the fact that globally and Americans in particular seem to uh, value work above their own well-being far too often, in my opinion. But Christian, I'm wondering what what your uh, take on that email is.
1: Yeah, well, first I'd like to say, you know, thank you to Kyle and the work that you're doing, um, especially in, again, the 2020 world we're we're living in. Sure, Um, yes, agreed. And it is, it, it's one of those things, and I might have mentioned this before, there's a Cadillac Super Bowl commercial from four, no, probably 10 years ago now, and it's, uh, I forget the actor's name, man, and he like walks in, and he's got like this great house, and he's like, <laughs> in France, They they only work 35 hours a week, really? That's all France? I work so much, I don't know my kid's name, like I'm exaggerating, but it's like this thing, and he's like, weekends, work days, you know, like we get things done. We're Americans. And then he like, he's like, because of that, we get to drive cars like this to work. Let's go to work America. And it's like, Oh God, no, 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 thank you. Like that looked awful. And Cadillac rightfully got ridiculed and I think took the ad down. But I I think the difference is for, for video games, oftentimes, as Mario mentioned, the crunch is, is sustained, and it doesn't have an, uh, there's not a light at the end of the tunnel necessarily where it's like, we got a crunch to get to this deadline. And then the game gets pushed and you've already been crunching for three months. And now you have another six months and that's not, Oh great. Now we can all relax for a little bit. <laughs> it's six more months of crunch or, or whatever that is. And yeah. then, and this isn't also isolated to the video game industry, but then oftentimes after projects are done, there are mass layoffs so you yeah, that's crunch, a good point crunch, crunch, to bring crunch, up. crunch, 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 yeah. crunch, crunch, get let go. And maybe you're just a contract employee. So you, you know, the air quote expectation of that you'd be reassigned after that uh, assignment finished. And then guess what? You get picked up by another company who's crunching to finish their next game. And then you're going over there to a new project in your crunch, 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 crunching. And so I agree uh, with the email that it is, you know, uh, not limited to the video game industry. When I was an attorney, I, I, I did sleep under my desk, you know, more nights than I wanted to remember. <laughs> um, But that doesn't make it ideal. And it doesn't mean that the video game industry can't look to make improvements. And Jeff, to your point, in America, at least, you know, unions are literally why we have weekends. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. you know, it, it it's, it, you know, yeah, I don't want to get into a, a full conversation about stuff like that per se. But I think because it is a desirable industry with, um, people that are chomping at the bit to get into it. Oftentimes in those types of industries, uh, employees are not treated as
0: well as they otherwise should or could be. And that, and that is exactly, I think Mario's point, which was an excellent one, which is that it all adds up to a culture, right? The entire industry has this culture of overwork and extreme hours and extreme commitment. And, um, I think that you find a lot of People like us who are podcasters or people who write articles on websites or whatever, uh, who advocate for a little bit more work-life balance and try to, and see this pattern developing of of people getting burned out, of of great games, uh, you know, being pushed out the door, and then people get, getting laid off or uh, leaving the industry because they're just completely wrecked from from the process of getting that game out. And uh, I think there's compassion, and I I think that's what you see is. A compassion for that. Now, these people are, uh, people are adults. They're making des- decisions on their own, but sometimes that culture can lead to decisions being made for the wrong reasons. And I think that's what we're all uh, worried about in stuff like this. And like Mario said also, this is the company. This is the company that was trying to be the beacon of uh, not doing that. And it, it's sad that it, it, like, I think, like I pointed out, I think that this is really a shows how hard it is to get games out i mean this game has been delayed twice and now they're scrambling to make this very last date that they can finally push it to in in 2020 so you know i I think we all want the game to be great i'm sure every single person that works at cd project red wants the game to be great and they're all you know putting their blood sweat and tears into it which is admirable but you want that to not take a human toll as well all right christian spicer what is your story of the week
1: I mean, it makes me sad, but we'll talk about it and we'll see. Maybe there's light at the end of the tunnel because Stadia giveth and Stadia taketh away. Or maybe it's Google. Maybe it's not Stadia. Like, as was rightly pointed out in the subreddit after last week's um, show, Stadia has introduced some of those features that they advertised at launch. Um, They're not necessarily in my opinion available on every game and as widespread as you know we were maybe led to believe with all of the features when when stadia first launched but some of that stuff they are continuing to improve the service and and some of those things i think it was the july update where um, several of those features were added Um, but now google launched their new chromecast which is getting stellar reviews like it's like watch out roku apple needs to up their game like a streaming device done right and a chromecast is the the original version was like this just a tiny little dongle like a stick of gum or like a little you know tiny little puck that you just plug in the back of your tv give you access to streaming services your netflixes and some um, google tv services and this new one now it's a little bigger it does require independent power i believe it's got a nice remote. The other
0: one did too, just so you know, the old – because I have the old Chromecast I think the Ultra did. On.
1: I thought they had a, a basic one that did not.
0: Oh, maybe. Yeah. But
1: I could be wrong. Um, But the takeaway from this, and we are talking about it on a video game show, is that at launch, it does not support Stadia. They say it will – Later, I think they estimated six six months. The or first
0: half of twenty twenty one is the official word. First okay. half of twenty twenty one. So it could
1: be as early as January first. Um, you know. <laughs> yeah, don't <laughs> bet on it. <laughs> and it, it it is just kind of wild where they packaged it with the Chromecast Ultra, which did support it. Um, the Chromecast Ultra requires, I believe, a, an external device as a remote. You know, your phone. Many things can work, but it doesn't have one built in, and it's kind of this odd not fully functioned fully featured easy to use um
0: thing but the, the chromecast one- ultra by the way which is no longer available right unless you buy a stadia pack, right and the, it's the chromecast- only way that you can get them now and the
1: chromecast ultra also doesn't support this new stuff that this new chromecast is doing and the chromecast that was out before the ultra didn't support stadia and it ju- it it just it just seems like a left hand right hand yeah. Not talking, and Mario, I'm curious, you know, if you are um, cloud curious, or maybe you're a cloud devotee the way <laughs> I want to be, or kind of where you come down on this and what, what your reaction was.
2: My, my initial reaction, as soon as I, I was watching it and then I saw the news about it, is that this is pretty much what everybody was fearing when Stadia was announced and, and showcased. There was a lot of kind of skepticism of people saying how much is, is Google going to really put into this and, and believe in this and and stick by it. And, you know, just releasing a brand new product that does all these great things. It, it's such a slam dunk. It's such a layup to just have Stadia with it. You, you would think that Stadia, not only just being supported by it, but maybe having some Stadia bundles or giving you a month free of Stadia if you buy a Chromecast. You think that would be such a slam dunk because then you know they're able to to kind of integrate this great new service with their great new products. It's it, just it would an be such a great marriage. Like, right? of course
1: it does this, you know, like, you know, just an afterthought. even, I don't even need, I don't even need a, you know, a LeBron drive jam, or I guess Jimmy Butler tonight is recording on Sunday, um, you know, triple, double to put this thing home. I just need an asterisk. I just need it to be included.
2: <laughs> yeah. And it not even working and just saying that it's going to work in early, like first half of 2021 is just like, what, what are you doing? Google? How do you, how do you expect people to buy into the stadia? System and into the stadia kind of ecosystem, if you yourself
0: haven't bought into it yet, yeah, I think that's a, a perfect way of saying it and and you're right, Christian. it is one hand not doing with, knowing what the other hand is doing. It does feel a bit like stadia is the the stepchild in the in the Google verse right in the Google hierarchy uh, and clearly, this is two different departments of a massive company that just haven't been communicating at all. Uh and there wasn't a priority to make Stadia work with the thing that Stadia is supposed to work with. It just feels like man, have they already given up on Stadia or is it is it just an oversight? But man, I mean it, if it's
1: an <laughs> oversight, how was it 6 months? Like that's what I don't yeah. and again, I am not an engineer. I am not an engineer. But like I can run Stadia on my uh, I think it's a Pixel 2 is the used Android phone I got for my, cl- my cloud phone. I can run it on a Chromebook. I can run it on, uh, you know, Safari, not Safari, Chrome on an, an old Apple, on an old PC. It's like I can run it on an old uh, Chromecast. <laughs> like, how is it six months? How you know, the it hilarious
0: thing it, it buried in this article is uh, reporters at The Verge have managed to get Stadia running on the new Chromecast via side loading. God. So, like, they managed to hack it together, but the folks at Google are like, "I don't know, it's going to take us six months to do it." <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous.
2: And you know, I, I was going back to a few different. I, I think I was watching the NBA finals at some point, and, and a Stadia commercial popped up, and I, I noticed something very interesting that I hadn't noticed before, and it's that. If you were an outsider to the video game industry and you didn't really know the story of Google Stadia or see the news when it first popped up, if you're just seeing this commercial for the first time that's selling you all the product, they don't even attach the Google name to it. Which yeah. y- you would think that attaching such a big trusted name as as Google would help. As you know, Google TV, their brand new product that kind of you know rivals Apple TV. It rolls out, and the first word out of the product is Google, and there's not even a, a Google logo if you watch a Google Stadia um, trailer or, or a commercial, and, and that's just odd. It, it, it goes to show what Christian's saying. It just feels like it's two very different departments from this massive, massive company.
0: Are we coming up on a year since Google Stadia was released, Christian? When 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 was it? Do you remember? It was end of last year, wasn't it?
1: No, you remember your anniversaries, not your divorce of anniversary. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it just it.
0: I would I would struggle to come up with ways they could have rolled this service out worse. You know, it, it is yeah. it's it's a shame because Christian and I were both hoping we were both fans of the idea. We both leapt in and became founders. We're founders of this thing, for goodness sake. We founded it. We founded this city. Uh, you know, and my founder's box is somewhere. I don't even know where it is with my little controller in it. No reason to use it right now. And it, it, it is, it's is—it's such a shame because I don't I, I don't know how they pull themselves out of this, this hole, but certainly releasing new products that don't support it is not the way.
1: It was so, all fun and games when like you're silly aunt or uncle right like that's what that's what stadia was it was like oh we could all laugh along with uh aunt sally and uncle bernard or whatever and then microsoft showed up and they're like the cool uncle and yeah. the corvette And they're like hey it works <laughs> and yeah. then and then amazon showed up like on a drone and they were like we announced this in the middle of other things <laughs> and it works and then you your other uncle are, <laughs> then <laughs> your other your other aunt and uncle are just like um, we're at the wrong family reunion you know and they it's like it, i man these other companies are just eating their lunch and i yeah i don't know what i i don't know what stadia does to come back from this unless they do a marvel heroes 2.0 or whatever you know like
0: the game well no, like,
1: the new I, one I, here it is i
0: think the the way the stadia pulls out of this this death spiral is by releasing the, whatever this initiative of games that we've heard that they're that exclusive, that are internal studio games uh, that Jade Raymond is heading up, you know, there's these, all these, these exclusives that they are funding, that they are creating these triple a games that Jade Raymond has a whole department that she's in charge of. If those are awesome and only available on stadia and showcase the power of all the cloud computers strapped together and, and show you what really proved the promise of this thing, and this is the only place you can get them, and you can play them on anything, and all those things come true in some miraculous way, then all of a sudden we we change our mind about Stadia, right? Then then they pull out of this of this uh, hole that they've put themselves in.
1: Unfortunately, though, our first story says so much about how likely
0: that this second story is going yeah. to happen. It's like, it's not
1: easy to make <laughs> blockbuster AAA games.
0: Well... I got news for you, Christian. Our third story is going (laughs) to underscore that even more because my story of the week is uh, the next World of Warcraft expansion has gotten a delay, an indefinite delay. It was supposed to be launching at the end of this month, October 27th, but it has now been delayed until, quote, sometime later this year.
1: Until all the employees no longer work at the new studio our
0: former founders create. We went until, yeah, (laughs) Dreamhaven where, yeah. Um, Yeah, this one to me is near and dear to my heart. That's why it's my story of the week. I I am uh, a WoW fanatic. Uh, Well, I guess that's not really the truth because I go for large stretches of not playing it between expansions. But every expansion, I'm back. They reel me back in. And I have been looking forward to Shadowlands as much as any expansion. And uh, looking forward to the pre-patch to start my subscription back up and get back into it Uh, i have been looking at this launch window with dread because it is uh you know two weeks before assassin's creed and uh and cyberpunk both come out and it just seems like an impossible amount of time in my life to devote to all these incredible releases so there's part of me that is hoping that this thing gets delayed until like february (laughs) because i'm like ah, okay that's perfect wow expansion time for me but I think it speaks to what we're talking about, that all of this stuff is really difficult. Um, this is a expansion that's been in the works for multiple years and has been in beta for many, many months. And by all accounts, the beta has not been going great. A lot of uh, the streamers, uh, WoW streamers, who are familiar with the beta, who've been playing the beta night and day, have been asking, uh, suggesting to Blizzard to delay the expansion. And it turns out they will. So Mario, I don't know how much of a wow head you are, but I wonder if you have a, uh, a guess as to how long this delay will be. And if you think this is indicative of all the kinds of things we've been talking about as far as, uh, getting games out before the end of the year.
2: Yeah. I, I'm not massive on wow. I definitely used to be a lot more ba- back in my younger days, but, but it, I think it, it does, it is very indicative of what we're talking about. And, when you add COVID into the mix and everything right. that 2020 has been, you know, you start to wonder how much COVID has really affected this because it, it it's clearly a common thing in the in the video game industry right now that most of the games that were coming out either towards the fall or middle or end of the year have either gotten delayed or are getting delayed or are receiving really bad crunch. It, it's it's clear that it's kind of an industry wide thing right now that most games coming out at the end of 2020 are i don't want to say exactly in trouble but certainly not exactly where everybody thought that they would be
0: yeah yeah i think that's accurate i we, you know christian you you and i did many stories uh, around march april time period when when the quarantine was just starting about how how all these companies were adapting to work from home And how there were all these press releases, uh, especially from the big hardware manufacturers saying, you know, everything's still on track. We're, you know, we've adapted, we've, we're still hoping to put out all the games, you know, that we don't anticipate COVID adding any additional stresses to the system, but that seems to be wrong, right? That seems to not be the case because, you know, we, we do, we, we do predictions every year and it feels like it can't get in trouble predicting a game is going to be delayed anymore. Like it just seems like everything I would, if you would, if I had said that Halo would be delayed out of 2020, you would have thought I was insane. And yet here we are. Everything seems to have been delayed in some way or another. So do you agree with Mario that it's, it's gotta be covered. I mean, I guess you were talking about this earlier in the show. There's gotta be something to do with that. Right? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a huge part
1: of it. I mean, you know, and I've kind of, uh, talked about how I put my foot in my mouth when first talking about it. But like when we were first talking about COVID, it was like, Oh man, I hope it doesn't mess up supply chain in China Yeah, because it right. was is an isolated little thing in this one city. And I hope I still get my electronics on time. Right. And then it was like, okay, we're, we're going to work from home for two weeks, everybody. Yeah. Um, and I, I've meant, I think I mentioned on the show, I am participating in the Pfizer, um, COVID vaccine stage three trials. So I've had two shots, um, and now I'm just on, uh, observation and blood work and stuff like that. Um, I say that to say that when I went in to get my first shot, that was the first, and it was, that was two and a half weeks ago. Um, and I can see through walls, but otherwise I feel fine. Um, when I went in to get that, that was the first time I had been in a building, not my house or a grocery store since March 10th. Yeah. And, and so whatever these companies are doing, you know, working from home or trying to make their workplaces safer, it's, it's a big hurdle. You know, I, I'm, I have two kids that are at home virtual learning. Um, I imagine a lot of folks working on video games also have that. They might have a partner who's also at home teleconferencing in, and, and it, it has to be a big part of it. Video games always get delayed. You know, the, I'm going to butcher it. So, but a delayed game is, can be good. A, release bad game never is or whatever. Right. Like they've always been delayed. It's always a thing, but this year, especially, yes, it has to be a huge part of it. And I would much rather have a game be delayed and employees, we talked about crunch and, you know, stuff like that. I'd much rather have employees be safe and companies figure this out and
0: have a game be delayed than something far worse, you know? Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And and like I said, from my perspective, I'm ready for more games to be delayed. I feel like the end of the year is going to have so many huge, really great experiences that it doesn't all have to happen right before the holidays. I mean, I'm sure there are number crunchers in all these companies that say that we have to have them out for the holidays because that's when people spend money on entertainment. But it seems to me that spreading this out a little bit more and having less competition perhaps although you know there's, there's games coming out in right january that's, and february and march that's so, the problem no,
1: when did god of war come out when did resident evil 7 come out like when did these yeah. it's not like in they'll come out in that t- oh crap that's that next big game <laughs> yeah
0: yeah that's true well i'm excited to talk about the next game that gets delayed because i'm sure there'll be one more one more big one before before the year's out i mean here we are in october already but I feel like there's at least one more shoe to drop. I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty shocked that the WoW expansion is is delayed. But again, I'm, I'm hoping that I have more well, windows to play these games in, and, and uh, not alongside these other just massive 100-hour experiences. All right, uh, we have other experiences, lots of other games to talk about coming up shortly. But let me thank our sponsor, which is Squarespace. I love talking about Squarespace, and I have been talking about Squarespace since 2007. That's how long I've been using it. I have been a devotee of Squarespace because it's the best. It's the easiest. It's the most awesome. It's the way to make a website, any website for any reason, make it yourself. Do you need to blog? Do you need to sell something online? Do you need to showcase your work? Do you have an upcoming event or special project that you need to have the world know about? All of these are ways are, are reasons you might need a website, and the way to make that website the easiest, the best looking, the most convenient, and the least stress on you is going to be Squarespace because you start with a award winning designer making these templates. Squarespace has a number of these templates. You start with that. And then you just start moving stuff around. You start making it your own. It's so simple, so simple. You don't need to know HTML. You don't have to know any coding. You don't have to pay somebody else to do it. You can do it yourself. And that's why I recommend it to my friends, my family, and have done for a long, long time. I just told my father-in-law about Squarespace recently because he was talking about needing a website. It's the best. It's the best. You can drop in e-commerce as just a, a couple of clicks, and all of a sudden you're selling things online. There's built-in search engine optimization. There's never anything to patch or upgrade. You don't have to worry about newer protocols or, or new standards on the web or anything like that. It's never going to go out of date because Squarespace updates in the background for you. It makes sure everything is patched and ready to go. It automatically works on mobile, just, just automatically. You don't have to worry about it. And they have twenty four seven award-winning customer support there in case you run into any issues. Just do it yourself. Make it yourself. See how easy it is. Head over to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. Start your free trial, which is a way to actually use all of their tools. There's no limits on what you can use. You don't even have to give them a credit card. You start that free trial. And then after you've built your website, when you're ready to launch it, use our promo code which is jeff sent me j e f f s e n t m e all one word you'll save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain and you'll let squarespace know it's a, been a good idea to support this show since the beginning and here we are 300 and what 60 no 59 episodes 359th episode right now squarespace has been with us from the beginning 7 years thank you squarespace let them know it's a good idea use that promo code squarespace.com slash jeff sent me and the promo code jeff sent me at checkout for 10% off all right it's time to check in on our playlists and mario what have you been playing most recently
2: so, I have been basically consumed, as I predicted it would happen leading up to this release, by uh, Spelunky 2. Which yeah. um, I was a huge, 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 huge fan of Spelunky 1. I played it on my PlayStation Vita. Rest in peace. <laughs> Just, I played that thing religious, religiously. It It is such an addicting game. And in 2, it... It's it's such an interesting sequel because it feels very new and it feels like there's a lot of great updates, but it feels very familiar and nostalgic at the same time. It, it, this is a game that the second I picked it up, I knew exactly what I was doing. I knew exactly what was going on. And even though there, there are a lot of updates, there's newer enemies. They have sort of these mini bosses at the end of each stage. They have a, a different kind of stage path there's all these touchstones to the to the to the previous Belunky that you know it, it just kind of feels comfortable. It feels kind of like coming back home. It it really brings me back to to playing around everywhere with my Vita, and it's and it's been consuming me. I have been playing it on stream. I've been playing it off stream. I've been playing it listening to a podcast. I've been playing it just by myself in the dark. It's God, I love Spelunky.
0: <laughs> I'm so glad that we have you to talk about this game because the first Spelunky, uh, I don't, I think Christian dabbled more than I did, but I don't think it, it really grabbed either of us. And uh, the second one, I, I'm just so pleased to be able to talk about the second one with somebody that is a real fan of the franchise. Tell me, first of all, what it was about the first Spelunky that grabbed you over other games. Is it just the tightness? Is it the randomness? Is it the replayability? What is it about Spelunky that has made it such a a hallmark for so many players yeah
2: it, it, it's such a simple game on paper but it, it it is so incredibly tight in the way that it controls and it feels and it, it's very difficult that's the other thing that a lot of people that might not play Spelunky don't realize it is brutal you you could have a run where you get really really deep and you get into into one of the later stages and it takes you out and you and no matter how good you are at the game you can have a run where in the very first stage you just completely lose all of your lives and you are instantly dead but that replayability of it of the the randomly generated stages on every single run that you do and just how rewarding it feels to 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 start again and get a little bit farther than you did on the last run. I think it, it's a masterpiece of, oh, let me do it one more try. Let me give it one more try and see if I can maybe maybe buy the jetpack this time around. Maybe let me see if I can save enough money to to buy the shotgun because I know that it's going to help me with this boss later on. Or you, you know, it, it it's it's so simple yet so deep in what you can do in the game. And at the end of the day, there's so many different ways to play which it, it, you wouldn't – it's kind of a, a very hand-in-hand hand with roguelikes in general. Roguelikes certainly do open the door for a lot of, of different play styles, and, and Spelunky is the same thing. I mean, I usually am the kind of player that if there's an item in the store that I really, really like, I try to explore the whole that whole stage, grab as much money as I can, and then try to buy that item. But I know many people that play that – just walk in immediately, steal, and they shoot the shopkeeper. Shopkeeper, and they go on their way. <laughs> but it, it it allows you to do that. It allows you to speed run if you want to. It allows you to take your time if you want to. It's just so very addicting. At the end of the day,
0: and so the second game. Now, everything I've been reading is, and I've played a bit of it. It just it's just not my jam. I wish it was, but it is not. Um, the second game you mentioned having a lot of new features and and everything i've read is that it does not feel like it's just um the, the first game redux it doesn't feel like it's just uh, an expansion or 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 you know uh, bonus content it feels like a real sequel and i wonder if you can help me understand why that's the case
2: yeah it, it absolutely does feel like a sequel um because you know, visually and the way that the game feels, and the way that the game controls, and sort of the fundamentals of the game are still all there. It, you're still doing sort of the same kind of activities of uh, uh, the the way that you explore each stage, the way that you move through the stages, and all, all of these. Kind of things that I was telling you about the first one, where you can always go in and shoot the shopkeeper, and the rest of the game he's going to be chasing you. And next time you encounter him, he's going to try to kill you on sight. Those landmarks are still there in Spelunky too, so it feels very familiar. But at the same time, it is such such a sequel, a, a, just a pure sequel from the first game in the way of. You drop in and you might see the first couple enemies are the same that you played in the first one. You you got your bats, you got your spiders, but suddenly you see this yellow-tailed lizard that you've never seen before. And they sprinkle in many many things like this, not just enemy wise, but maybe different stores and maybe different companions towards your your thing. And there are these things now that are the the challenge stages where if you go, if you there there's one specific shop where this kind of witch looking lady takes you into a different room. And then there's this challenge with a certain amount of time and it's just everything that they did in the first game is here, but with so much new content that it feels so unbelievably fresh yet familiar at the same time. It's a game that I picked up and I immediately felt like I knew what I was doing, but at the same time, at every turn, there was something new and surprising and I I I still haven't beat it. I still haven't had a, a run where I beat it. And every time that I get to a new stage or that I get to a new area, there are things that I remember of the first game, just sprinkled in with so many new refreshing surprises. And I think that's one of the reasons why why it keeps drawing me back, and it doesn't feel like I'm playing the first game again.
0: Christian, it, it sounds like a game you need to give a give a little chance to, buddy.
1: No, I, I purposely took off my headphones. What were you guys talking about? Um,
0: I, <laughs> this game has uh, long
1: been on my radar, and um, I, I hope to find time for it. I'm I'm trying to be better about wrapping up things that I'm loving, and time has been at a little bit of a premium recently. Um, but yes, I, my plan originally was to get the PC release because it felt weird to get this on PS4.
2: Mario, are you on PC or PS4? I. I was so excited for this game that I got it on PS4 first and I'll probably end up getting it on, on Steam too, just so I can play it on my PC. But it, I was so, I was anticipating this game so much that I, I got it the week early on the PS4.
1: Yeah, I almost did. And then I was like, I also almost started packing up my PS4, <laughs> like trying to get yeah, ready. Yeah. It's so I was waiting done. and waiting and waiting for PC and then it came out and I'm just, I'm still working like I'm still enjoying uh 3D All-Stars like it, it's you know again too many games first world problems but it is a game that lucky for me because I was late to Spelunky 1 and I also played it on Vita and I think the reason I didn't play more of it was it was all I was playing on my Vita uh, <laughs> kind of so I'd be like I want to play Spelunky oh my Vita hasn't been charged in a hundred years um, <laughs> but it will be there for me and if it's anything like Spelunky it will be keep getting better. It is not a game that they put out and abandoned. So I am very right. excited to spend some time with it.
2: Awesome. Well, Mari, what else is on your playlist? Well, other than that, I've been uh, coming back to ghost of Tsushima. It's a game that um, w- when it released, I was right there at midnight release. I was playing it and I played probably about five hours of it and, and really, really enjoyed it and fell in love with it. But for some reason, I'm not really even sure why, I haven't played a lot of it since. Um, I just kind of got distracted with other things and other shows and movies and games. You know, it, it kind of get distracted a lot of times. At least it happens a lot for me. And I went, oh yeah, Ghost of Tsushima. I, I was really enjoying that. So I I kind of started playing that back up again and 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 man, it's it's such a great open world. And it it's I think one of the things that I love the most about it is that it's made me feel in in a lot of different ways, how Breath of the Wild made me feel when it first released. Um, There's just moments where maybe I'm climbing up a hill and I see a little trail of smoke and I totally get derailed on what I'm doing. And I go, oh, I wonder what's over there. Let me go check it out. And that's the same thing that you used to say constantly when I was playing um, Breath of the Wild. So it's been really good to see kind of that similar feeling.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's certainly a, uh, a game that I think is going to be talked about a lot at the end of the year. Um, and, uh, one that has had that effect on a lot of people, Christian, you're still working your way through ghost of Tsushima too, right?
1: I love it so much. I, I love yeah. the combats. It's just exquisite. I find myself like Mario just getting distracted. I'm like, I'm going to mainline this. I got to get, I'm close to, I got to just finish. And then it's like, there's a lot of bandits over there (laughs) i'm gonna go (laughs) i think there's a camp somewhere i need to clear out like i i am in love with the combat in the game and still a hundred percent and kurosawa mode and excited to take that across the finish line but it it keeps climbing higher and higher and higher up my favorite games of the year list i love it
0: yeah very cool very cool what is on your playlist christian So what I have spent time
1: with that is new, uh, because like I said, I am all aboard the perfect guest for this week, right? I'm all all aboard the Mario hype train still. I've been loving uh, 3D All-Stars. We have uh, circuit, home circuit, whatever that long named Mario Kart thing coming soon. That's like two weeks away. Oh, the one that you
0: put the put in your house, that one? In the house, in the house. Oh, you got it. You pre-ordered it? so but the, oh that's exciting
1: but i might save it for like a birthday or something we'll see
0: um oh is there was there a, a kid birthday that's between now and christmas
1: yeah the, the oh. November oh. Um uh, oh, so right. we'll see okay. we'll see we'll see i mean it depends how excited i get like oh look it, it came early
0: uh,
1: <laughs> 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 um but so what i've been playing a lot of now is super mario brothers 35 which is their it's another limited timed you know these These digital deals don't last long. They go bad like a banana in the refrigerator. You don't put a banana in the refrigerator. You put it on like a little banana hook or keep it away from other fruit. Um, It is their Battle Royale Mario, which if you've kind of read up on it, you've seen there was a a fan made version that was shockingly similar. That came out before and Nintendo do what Nintendo do (laughs) and, and said, stop it. Um And it's very similar to Tetris 99 as well, which also launched as a free for switch online um, subscribers. I love this game. Uh, Mario was talking about Spelunky two, kind of being like a one more, you know, one more round kind of thing. That is how I have been with super Mario brothers, 35 just getting sucked in. So it is, if you don't know, it is super Mario brothers. Like, the the original super mario, one one the game the level that everybody talks about as like showing you how to play a game it introduces everything perfectly it is that 8-bit super mario brothers but you're playing with 35 other people it is part of the anniversary uh 35th anniversary uh celebration that nintendo is doing and so instead of 99 players it's 35 other players you see them around you it works perfectly because the game is four by three so you have like a good size playing area of that game in the center of your screen and then the surrounding people playing on the side of the screen. And just like in Tetris 99, you can attack them and you send them enemies. And I will tell you what I am awful at this game. <laughs> 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 I've seen my Twitter timeline of like, it used to just be fall guys streaks or like going to get my crowns. And now it's like Mario 35s. like, Oh, I had a lull for a little bit and then a run of 10 wins. And I'm like, haven't got past level one. <laughs> um but the way that it has managed to reinvent a game I know and love and make it feel fresh, new, and stress-inducing in a way that I remember it feeling when I was younger playing this game. Like you come to a new part, a new level in Super Mario Brothers, and you're like, a, a turtle's coming at you for the first time, and it bounces off the back wall and shoots back at you. And you're like, oh, no, what a-! and you just kind of panic for a little bit. Like as enemies start piling up as I'm being attacked by other players, and I'm in a level that I've played— a million times and know like the back of my hand, but then there's, you know, whatever it ends up being 20 extra <laughs> or something. And like that feeling of like rushing through the clock and not playing the way I would normally play again. I'm playing these, these boards or levels I played a million times, but now the way I play it, and the way I approach them is, is fundamentally different because I'm being rushed or there's more enemies or I'm trying to do a, a move. I normally wouldn't do to send an attack to somebody else It is absolutely brilliant. And we talked, you know, at the beginning of this episode about how hard it is to make big AAA games. And, and I, I stand by that conversation. I a hundred percent think it's true, but this game is such a tight package. I know it's not a triple A game. Um, but I also know, and I think you and I both know, we all probably know some companies that just cannot seem to put out games that work. Um, they're just it doesn't matter for how long or iterations they're just bad they launch not fully featured with no real plan to make them so and nintendo again maybe there was a off brand version of this but this thing just comes out and it's perfect it is exquisite i cannot stress how much fun it is and battle royale fits everything i mean tetris 99 <laughs> proves that it fits tetris um fortnite proves that it fits everything else and then this is a 2D platformer showing how well this system can work and to have it be a hey stay subscribed to Switch online also Donkey Kong Country 2. Um it's such a wonderful little package. It's easy to kind of ignore I think because of all the big games that are out, but um give it a shot. You probably already have a year of this that you paid for. Go download it, play Super Mario Brothers 35. It is such a tight, well-crafted package that I imagine, like Tetris 99, will come back better at some point. Like, they'll do this limited edition and then maybe it's Mario 2. I don't know. But Jeff, if you haven't played it, you got to. Mario, if you haven't, you've you've got to play this game. It's such a fun time waster that sucks you in. I love it.
0: I'm shocked that this works as well as it does, that you're as as emphatic and enthusiastic about it as you are. it
1: changes the... And I don't know you know, like if my kids were to play it or like a, you know, 14 year old who hasn't grown up with super Mario brothers, it doesn't know the levels like the back of their hand, what that experience is like. I can only tell you Mm. what my experience is like, but the way it kind of rushes me and, and changes that and brings back nerves to these levels that are otherwise, you know, you can play blindfolded sometimes is, is just such a fun, fresh feeling. And then also that competition factor of like, you finish fifth. And it already, again, And they've had practice with Tetris 99, which I know Nintendo themselves didn't develop. But it has, like, play streaks, rewards, daily goals, things you're trying to do. And so there's already that carrot on the stick to get you in and playing. And getting back into it is very quick after you die. It's
0: It's awesome. It seems like the perfect anniversary thing, right? It, it, it is, it's a celebration of the history of the game and, 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 by, by flipping the history on its head, it's, it's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. And they've done it before with, other, like I forget the name of the game. Like it was, um, retro collection. I for, It was like, you know, sort of 3ds. And then maybe on Wii U too, where it was like little snippets of old games and they kind of remix them a little bit here and there. Oh, um, uh, NES remakes, I believe. Yeah. NES Remix. Thank you, Mario. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so Nintendo has some history of this, but yeah, it's, I, I'll stop talking. Cause I'm just like heaping praise on it. I'm saying the same thing over and over again, but it's real good. It's real good.
0: Cool. Super Mario brothers. 35. Uh, I've been playing a bunch of stuff this week. Uh, my playlist is, is, is full of big, really interesting games. Uh, the first I'll talk about is a game called Genshin impact, which is a free to play big old open world breath of the wild. Like, like, Breath of the Wild like is a thing officially. Uh, with um, gods and monsters, I mean Phoenix Rising, um, and Genshin Impact. I feel like these are the two most prominent in my mind. I'm sure there's others that I don't even know about or are not thinking of. Uh, but these Breath of the Wild like is a, is a I think a subgenre that we're going to see a lot more of because Genshin Impact is that. I mean, it borrows liberally from the playlist the playbook of of breath of the wild it's a big beautiful open world uh where you have a stamina meter you can climb anything and go anywhere uh you cook uh, recipes to uh, you harvest things and cook recipes to improve your stamina meter and improve other stats and for certain things there's temples to go in and clear um very much breath of the wild I'm playing it on PC. I think it is actually supported on iOS and Android as well. And I'm curious to see how it plays on those, but I'm playing it on PC on my ultra wide monitor. This game is gorgeous, 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 a a stunning, vivid, bright, colorful world that I, it just pops off the screen. And it does a few things that are, I think pretty interesting and, and new. Yes, it's very much Breath of the Wild, but instead of playing as a single character like Link, you play as a party of characters, but you only play as one of them at a time, and you can switch between them at any time as often as you'd like. And so you have this team, and each of them is specialized in a certain element, fire, ice, lightning, uh, air, uh, and... and the whole universe of this game is very much tied into the elements. And so you have all of these wonderful elemental interactions that you can take advantage of in the game world. And yes, Breath of the Wild did a lot of that too. Like, you know, you set fire to something and the fire spreads and you, you know, you can interact if you set, you know, set the motion of something with an element and it causes another thing to bump into another thing. Breath of the Wild, lots of that. And this game, I think, takes it, Uh, The next step, and it really emphasizes creating those combinations of elemental effects, because you can switch between these characters at any time. So you have a a girl that shoots a bow and arrow that can charge up and shoot a fire arrow. And then you can um, go to the cold guy and do a cold thing, or you can, you know, like there's standing water on the ground. So you can electrocute that water and then... Uh, and then, you know, with your electric stuff and then burn them, it it, it it creates these cool dynamics that add certain buffs or debuffs to the enemies. So, uh, for example, air and fire, I think, turn into uh, a smoky kind of effect that reduces their damage output. Uh, and it's that kind of stuff over and over and over again. And it makes for some fun puzzly elements in, in the temples. And it makes for the combat. That's really interesting and dynamic. I think the combat in this game is really fun, but it's very breath of the wild. I mean, you're coming up to camps of these creatures that are very much like the camps that you fight in breath of the wild. They have a chest. You have to kill all the things in the camp to unlock the chest chest has cool stuff in it. Uh, so, I mean, it, it very much is a redux of that gameplay style but there's this element of switching between characters and moving through the world you have wings each of the characters have wings that can pop out so you can glide around on wings and everywhere you go the traversal is very fun the world is very vivid and bright and the combat is satisfying as a free-to-play game i haven't really run into too many hooks yet i mean the game is huge so who knows what it is to come in in the late and end game of, of this game but I haven't really run into any pressure on paying for anything or buying stuff. There's packs of things to buy, but I've just been playing along without any real uh, pressure on that uh, on, you know, to, to spend money. So I have a hard time not recommending Genshin impact to anybody. I mean, it's a free download. The download took forever. I guess this is like one of the biggest releases in uh, China uh, for a Chinese game company in America ever. And, there are a lot of annoyances as a Western gamer from this Chinese game. And I think one of the, one of them is that the control scheme is very frustrating. Like you get into the game I'm playing on PC, as I said, and it defaults to keyboard and mouse. And I want to play with a controller because it feels like a console game. And so every single time I load the game, I have to switch to controller in the menu. And there's only one controller button map scheme And that defaults to, I guess the, um, in Asia, it's usually the bottom button on your controller, which is our A or X button. We usually, for us is go, you know, proceed, you know, continue by press A to continue, press X to continue, press B to go back. I guess those are flipped in Asian countries for the most part. So you'll often see B is the proceed button and A or X is go back And that's the default scheme here. And oh my God, it drives me bonkers because so many times in a menu or just dialogue or whatever, I want to continue by pushing the bottom button, which has been driven into my brain. I keep backing
1: out. Which Sony has said part of their, one of the things they did talk about with their size and quietness press tour is that X is, oops, as I knock over water, X is the default button now. And they changed that for Asian region. For Asia, yeah,
0: yeah. Genjin Impact doesn't have the option to change the button maps. Hopefully they'll patch that in for the PC because it is is driving me bonkers. Uh, and there's a few other little minor quibbles like that w- w- with the game where it you know like the the original download to download the game took took me like 16 hours, even though it should never have taken that long. I'm sure they were getting hammered when the game first released. Um, and uh, you know the the way the game launches and and it, it's just all kind of clunky. But once you're in the game the game is so beautiful and there's so much to do it's also very anime and that style has never been a huge plus for me uh, like the the voiceover is all fine but it's it's very oh yeah it's, it's all that very kind of uh kitty kind of childish voiceover and uh, I find it a, a bit grading just personally that's just a taste thing for me i've never been huge into you know deep anime and all the character designs are really cool and interesting but they're all very anime i mean it's buxom women and scantily clad outfits and sort of you know um it, it just it's just a an aesthetic that has never really been my jam but i think the game is so well done that i i that doesn't bother me that much so i would recommend genshin impact it's free to play so, uh, download it and give it a shot, especially if you're on PC. I think it's supported on switch and on mobile as well. I, I can't speak to how well it plays on those, but on my PC with my ultra wide monitor, it is gorgeous and just a, a real lot of fun to play.
2: Yeah. That's so one that's that good. I've seen. I've seen a lot of people talk about on My Twitter, sorry to interrupt, but I oh, didn't sure. even know that it was free to play. So I'm, I'm definitely going to give it a go. Cause you said breath of the wild and that's all I need to know.
0: Yeah, I mean it is it's like revisiting Breath of the Wild with a new new universe. It, it is um it's really takes a lot of cues from that game, but it's a great game to take cues from. So, uh I'm I'm digging it. I think it's it's I think it's really well put together package and I think um a lot of people are going to enjoy it. Uh another game that I have been playing is called Against the Moon, which is a uh, a game that I've been playing on Steam and this is basically a a game of hearthstone but sort of deconstructed a bit um it's like what if hearthstone or magic i guess you could say um was a story-based science fiction experience instead of fantasy uh, it's a sci-fi game and it's really story-based and they sort of lean away from the idea of cards everything functions like a card so you're still getting uh getting monsters into your hand playing them onto a field but nothing looks like a card it all looks like a monster or a creature and so it kind of i think it kind of provides a an aesthetic and an experience that is a little more like a an adventure game a more like a story based game rather than a pure, you know, tabletop game or or digital card game. Uh, And I think that's to its credit. I think the the presentation of Against the Moon is top-notch. The art is really, really excellent. I am so impressed with it. And the story is really dense, interesting sci-fi. And I think there are too few, you know, real interesting sci-fi games in this genre. Almost always you'll get fantasy tropes and it's cool seeing the, you know, this magic, the gathering or hearthstone type play style in a real f- sci-fi setting. Uh, that alone, I think, is worth uh, recommending it. But so the, the the way you play against the moon is imagine a uh, hearthstone board where you're playing cards down in front of you and you're attacking your opponent, uh, you know, on the top of the screen, just rotate all of that 90 degrees. So you're going left to right instead of bottom to top. And there are now three lanes, three very distinct lanes that you can play monsters into. They aren't cards here. They're actual monsters. And each of those lanes has an avenue to the big bad guy, the, you know, like in a hearthstone, you're not attacking the monsters. You're attacking the player. You're attacking the the class the controller of the cards um and you know in, in magic the gathering it's the you know what are they called the summoner what are they called in magic the gathering the planeswalker you're attacking the planeswalker um so that's the case here right you the damage that you do it only matters if you do damage to the controller of the of the monsters but you know you have three distinct lanes to attack that controller and so placing a monster in a specific lane is really important because. If you block a lane, the monsters do damage to each other, first preventing that damage from breaking through to the person you really want to be attacking. Uh, So I think that adds an interesting wrinkle. It's like, you know, it's, um, I think the Gwent did that where it had distinct lanes to play things into and, or, you know, tracks front, middle, and back. And that's kind of how this works here as well. And the game does a really, really good job of, giving you visual indications of how much damage you're going to take how much damage you're going to do uh, you can you can lay things all out and it really shows you how much damage is is you know will kill a monster how much damage of that will penetrate to the bad guy the game visually does a fantastic job of making all that really clear and really um, communicating a lot to the player to make sound decisions which I think is important for games like this. I dig against the moon. Like I said, there's a lot of really cool story beats. Um, it's a very interesting, dense sci-fi idea. It, it's literally, there are creatures on the moon that are trying to kill everybody. And so you have, you're against the moon and, and there's different cycles that happen and different kind of mutagens. And you're, you're mutating things and, you know, upgrading your cards by mutating them. So it's all very science fiction and, and cool. I, I dig this game against the moon it's on Steam, and I think it's I think it's only like twenty bucks. I think it's pretty inexpensive, so uh, I would highly recommend it to anybody that digs the Hearthstone game style, but wants something that feels really fresh and different because it's sci-fi. It's has kind of different kind of presentation. It really doesn't feel like the same old same old. All right, that's against the moon, and uh, now I want to talk about a game that you don't have to play in VR. But oh boy, am I! Virtual
2: reality.
0: VR. Virtual reality. Just VR. But before we get to Star Wars Squadrons, which I'm super excited to talk about, Mario, I know you've played a little bit of VR. Is there anything that you wanted to mention?
2: Yeah, I I, I play my PSVR kind of religiously in the way that. Beat Saber has been a constant for me since I got the PSVR. Um And they recently came out with the Linkin Park uh, kind of expansion or the music pack, I should say. And I've been a Linkin Park fan my whole life. So it was a, it, it was a, a great drop for me because it, Beat Saber is a lot of fun and they have a great soundtrack, but when you're playing songs that you know, and you've known for a while, it just makes the experience that much better. So so that's been a constant for me but the the other one that that's a little bit newer for me that um I've been very excited and terrified to check out is uh, Resident Evil 7. In yeah oh god.
0: Oh it's, <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't finish it man it, it it was too intense for me. It's horrifying
2: and I I'm somebody <laughs> who I'm somebody who honestly never really played Resident Evil games and with this kind of renaissance of the franchise that started with Resident Evil 7 and then Resident Evil 2 remake, and now we have a village coming up. I, I've decided to, to fill that whole that void in my gaming knowledge, and Resident Evil 7, I got, and I, you know, I committed to let let's play through this thing in VR. If it's an option, why not? And boy, <laughs> let me tell you, that was a bad decision because it's <laughs> horrifying.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The idea of like literally crouching behind something and peeking your head out as the most horrifying demon person is shambling right inches from your face. Also,
1: crouching down, like you're like not even the peeking, like the physical exhaustion combined with the mental exhaust of like, I'm hiding. I'm crouched like a ball, literally hiding. And also I have a VR headset on. If my kids walk in the room right now and actually make a real noise, I'm punching someone, you
0: know, like there's,
2: there's so much.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's so intense, man. So, so how far are you into yeah, it?
2: I not even that far into it. Yeah, uh, I, I made it. I I think I just had like my first encounter with a family where they put you into the into the table and then you you break out. Oh, but yeah, let me tell oh, you, guys, you haven't
0: even seen anything yet, man. Oh, oh, let me tell
2: you, entering the house was the worst thing. <laughs> at it the took very me beginning a of the sol- game.
0: It took me a <laughs> yeah.
2: solid 10 minutes to hype myself up to be like, all right, just just walk into the house, man, because it's so horrifying. And uh, you know, the the fact that you can peek, it, it, I think it's what Christian's saying that you can physically kind of move around and peek around and kind of take take a look at what's inside the door is just ah, uh, it's terrible, but it's fun.
0: Yeah. Oh it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better my friend. And this That's is for both
1: of us who also have not finished it but we got farther than you are so we can pretend like we're veterans right now.
0: Yeah right. yeah yeah no we didn't finish it at all. We both chickened out but uh yeah it's uh, it's intense. It's it's intense. Um but I'm excited for you. It's uh it's also very very well done. Um and I, I, we still don't know if Village is going to support VR, do we? Or do we? We don't. And I've been really curious about that since
2: Village yeah. is still that first person mode. If if they're kind of keeping the trend, I hope that they do.
0: I hope that they do too. Even though I don't know if I'll have the guts to play it, I I just want that to be a thing. You know, yeah. I just I like the I like I liked it. It was so well well done. And uh, I just not You know, it's not for me because I am a a little scaredy cat, but. Uh, but uh, but it is very cool. Awesome. Uh, well, let me talk about Star Wars squadron, Squadrons because I've been playing it on my Valve Index on my PC. And uh, my goodness, it is amazing. <laughs> uh, so whatever year that was, I told myself I was going to look it up, but I, I can't remember. Christian, maybe you remember. Whatever year it was that there was some tiny little room in the side back, I think this is before before weekend confirmed. I think oh, this I got was you. back. It was five what? years ago. It was five. Yeah, yeah. I right know it was not. It was more than five. <laughs> uh, there was one, one year when the the Oculus first behind closed doors in this this tiny little room in the back upstairs of the L.A. Convention Center at E3. It was a literal and,
1: cockpit. You had to climb in to play
0: the game. We're going to talk about. You
1: had to, it's like so small. It felt like you were.
0: <laughs> the only yeah, place. yeah. And they, you know, they, they didn't have any games yet. It was just like, hey, we're going to do, we're doing this VR thing. And there was a few people, and it was, I remember it so vividly. I remember um, asking people like, what what's the one thing at E3 that, that I, ha- you know, haven't seen. And a couple of people were like, there's this company in the back that's showing people VR and it really works and you have to get an appointment to go see it. And so I did, I think it was with the TRS guys. I think it was Alex and Dan and I, and we sat down in this place and we put on the first prototype for the Oculus VR headset and they didn't even have a release date. I think this was when it was in a Kickstarter and they showed um, that uh, Eve Valkyrie, right? And it was what would become Eve Valkyrie. It wasn't Eve Valkyrie at that time, but what would become Eve Valkyrie. It was this cockpit fighter pilot experience And I remember sitting there going, this is the future. This is extraordinary. And this needs to be Star Wars, right? Like this, they have to do this with Star Wars, right? This is amazing as its own thing, but I need to be in an X-Wing right now. Like this is what this demands, demands, right? Flash forward to we get, you know, Star Wars Battlefield, uh, or Battlefront, I should say, uh, and it has that tiny little demo thing, and all of us going, "This is awesome! This needs to be a full game." <laughs> well, Squadrons is that game. I have to be upfront. I'm talking about it in the VR section because I have not played a single moment of it out of VR. Right? I don't. I haven't have any comparison to Pancake Mode, as I like calling it, uh, to the to the 2D flat screen. It is a fully playable game that way. I have no idea why anyone would want to unless they had to because if you have any opportunity to try this game in VR, it is transformatory. It is it is wish fulfillment. It's the thing that I always wanted as a kid or always dreamed of as a kid is climbing inside an X-wing fighter and feeling like I'm inside it, right? It's it's really extraordinary. The experience of being inside the cockpit, inside this fighter game. Now, I grew up playing Wing Commander and x Wing versus TIE Fighter and all these old dogfighting games, and I played them and I loved them, I loved Wing Commander, but there was always a part of me that was a little frustrated by those games because... The experience of playing a dogfighting game is, there he is, there he is, there he is. Oh God, where did he go? Where did he go? Where did he go? Where did he go? There he is, there he is. There he is. Oh, where did he go? Where did he go? Where did he go? Did he go? It's, you know, you're flying at something and then that thing flies by your view and then it's out of your view and you're wildly spinning around trying to find it again so you can shoot at it a couple times before it leaves your view again. And there's something fun about that, but there's also something kind of frustrating about that. And I always found it a little unsatisfying. It always felt like I just wasn't very good at it. But when you watch a Star Wars movie, or for that matter, old World War II footage of of you know dog fighting, which is really what all of the stuff in Star Wars is based on, George Lucas like watched those old World War II videos and you know made his version of it. When you watch those those movies, what's happening is. Porkins or Wedge Antilles or Luke or whoever it is, is in the cockpit and they're looking all around them. They're looking up and they're looking behind them and they're looking out the left and right and they're trying to find, I can't shake them. I can't shake them. You know, all that stuff. He's on about you know. That's what you can do in VR now. Now I understand Star Wars Squadrons lets you push a button to look around also in pancake mode, right? You can, you can, uh, let, let your have, let your head have free swivel, like in a first person shooter around inside the cockpit without moving the ship. But there's no way that's as good as literally just moving your head. So my experience inside the X-wing cockpit, which has windows out the front windows on the side windows above me windows behind where I can look at my R2 unit my astromech droid behind me and look past it out into space is that I'm sitting there, I'm shooting my lasers at TIE fighters coming at me and when they buzz by my cockpit, I'm looking up and tracking them, looking over to my right, spinning my ship around and and looking all around me to find the next guy and he's just right there to the left. I just have to swing the the ship around and get to him and, and then I blast him some more and lock on with my photon torpedoes. I guess that's Star Trek. I shouldn't say photon torpedoes, but you know what I'm saying. My missiles it is it improves the gameplay to be able to have my head on a free swivel inside the cockpit so already it's a huge win now visually i think this game is is just it's just amazing it looks great uh the interior of the cockpit is detailed and awesome gives you actual information on all of your systems and The way that they have added a little bit of complexity to squadrons, I think is pretty brilliant. And that is you have three different systems that you can divert power to at any given time. So you can have sort of a balance of all three, which is the default, but then you can divert power to lasers so that your lasers don't overheat as quickly. So you have more shots before you need to stop pulling the trigger or you can divert your power to shields so you can take more damage before your shields are are broken through or you can divert your power to your engines so you can go faster and get out of dodge quick more quickly and the way that the game really forces you to play with those those systems and actually makes it's not it's not just lip service right it's not just you can do this you really do need to do that in order to play the game effectively, and I think that added layer of strategy and decision making, moment to moment, really makes the game much more interesting than your average flight sim or space sim. Uh, it really adds a level of of dynamism, right? It, it, it makes it, all the fights much more dynamic. I'm at, I'm given this choice all the time of how I'm gonna. Deal with problems, deal with threats, attack the enemy. How I'm going to move around? It's I, I find it to be much more fun than I expected it to be. And visually, it's it's incredible. I mean, it's all the Star Wars ships. Uh, it's every time you get a new ship and you're in a new interior, it feels like Christmas morning. It's just like, oh my god, look at the I mean, the interior of of a Tie Fighter. This is what the interior of a Tie Fighter looks like you know and, and you can look up and around and all, all there's detail in every element of it the story i think is pretty actually pretty good and told with interesting characters that you get to talk to and in vr they're fully 3d and standing there in front of you it's not a deep system there aren't branching dialogue trees you're basically just listening to people talk at you but they look awesome when they're doing it and the things they're talking about are you know tried and true cool star wars lore you get to, you go to mission briefings. You get to change your loadout of your of your ships. Um, I mean, it's all the stuff that you would want in a game like this. The game's forty bucks, and and the VR experience is second to none. I I really love it. I play seated, holding a controller in my lap, uh, which I think, I, as I've said, as much as I love the standing hand you know mapped motion controls version of VR, I think more. Developers need to embrace the seated, holding a controller in your lap in VR, because it is still additive. It's still completely gobsmacking to have this world envelop you. It's all around you. And I will say it's a bit of a bummer for squadrons that all of the cutscenes are pancake, are all 2D. You know, anytime you're in a cut scene in the game... It switches to, you know, looking at like a giant movie screen in VR, a b- big flat movie screen. It looks really big and cool, but it's, it, it is not in 3D. It is not all around you. But then every time you switch back into 3D, like you go back into the hangar and you're looking at the, the individual people talking to you in the hangar and you're experiencing story that way. It's like, oh my God, this is so awesome. And then it switches back to flat and you're like, oh, okay, well, Okay. Oh, man! It's awesome again. Uh, the, so it's a bummer. I wish all of the cutscenes stayed fully three d fully immersive. I think that would make it the game even more amazing. But you know, it's a relatively minor complaint because so much of the game is three d. so much of the game is all around you. and it and the the missions are really varied and interesting. You're on both sides of the conflict, but you're not like playing through an imperial side and then playing through a rebel side. You really are bouncing back and forth and the story is being told in a in an interesting interesting way. I haven't tried multiplayer yet cuz I'm playing through the single player still. Um, but so far I'm really really loving it. It's just so wild to play a game like this in VR where I'm able to decouple my view from the from what I, my ship is staring at and use that to my advantage. It's it's awesome. It's very Star Wars feeling. And I, I, you know, it's it's pure wish fulfillment of being in the cockpit of those things doing Star Wars stuff. Two questions.
1: One, does it look better or worse than Shadow of the Empire? <laughs> <laughs> Two, second question. Does it have that one Star Wars song I like?
0: Yeah, man, it's got that one. Oh, I'm unless, in, unless that one you like is Duel of the Fates, then no, it doesn't have that one.
1: <laughs> I'm not it. Um, I mean, it, it is an... So I've, uh, man, so I'm I'm trying to be a patient gamer and you're not helping because we've talked, was Sorry. it last week or two weeks ago? It was like patient gamer, patient gamer. And I was like, I'm on the buy button on the Epic game store to, to, uh, was it, no, that's Hades. Where's is, this is steam Where's it Epic? I don't know. Wherever I was, I think it's Epic. It's game on store. steam. It's on steam now, baby. Cause EA is on steam. Uh, I'm getting ready to buy it. And then I was like, wait, I'm going to get a 10 hour free trial for this for free. Air quote free. Next month, when EA play, EA Access joins Game Pass,
0: yeah, November tenth, it joins on Steam. I think it joins on Game Pass on Steam, right?
1: And so, like, they're still like, I, I, I'm assuming this game's part of it. Like, EA Access is always a little wonky, and I expect there to be a few more wonky moments as it joins Game Pass. But to me, I was like, ooh, I can wait a month. So that's what I'm trying to do. But hearing you talk about it, I just, I want to be the person. That I want to treat Game Pass the way Luke treats those farm animals in uh, Last Jedi. You know, I just want to milk them for everything they're worth. That's all
0: I want to do. See, I treat, I treat Game Pass like Luke treats uh, dealing with Vader in Empire Strikes Back. I can't wait. Everybody's telling me, don't, Luke, not now. Don't leave Dagobah, please. Can you just hang on? And I'm like, no, I'm going. I'm going. I'm sneaking away in the middle of the night. Uh, that's how. That's how I handle it, so... Man, uh, it looks so good.
1: You're not, you're not helping. Yeah, Mario, it's, it's really you, good. Have you played especially? This? Sorry, go ahead.
2: I, I, I haven't played it, and the only reason why it's not loaded into my PS4 yet, because the only VR headset right now is a, that I have is a PSVR. But the only reason why it's not it loaded into it is because I'm in full on saving for the PS5 mode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I have a pre order on Amazon, and I just want to make sure that by the time it comes out, I have the money for it. So I have to be very, very cautious with the games that I do buy. and But rest assured, once the PS5 is out, and I'm assuming it's also coming out on PS5, or even if, if it's not, I, I definitely am going to be strapping on my PSVR because I, I just want a VR game that just makes Star Wars sounds at me. That sounds... <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, it is... It's... I kind of... I know, this sounds bad to say i guess it sounds really condescending to say but i also i kind of can't believe anybody would play this not in vr like it is so it's so perfectly suited to vr i just kind of i feel bad for people that are playing it on a 2d screen because it's just like no it could be all around you and you don't have to worry Ah, I, (laughs) i understand why and this is very expensive tech and i don't mean to come off as a that kind of person but i i i my, what I mean to say is I wish this experience for everyone because it it will sell everybody on what makes VR so special. It's just completely immersive. You feel like you're in this cockpit flying around inside a Star Wars movie. And so when are you really buying isn't... your yoke? When are you getting your stick? Because someone right now is listening to you going, oh, controller and lap immersive? Yeah. Okay, buddy. <laughs> I've just never, I've never thought that was... I, I guess I've just never cared enough about how planes really fly to to, to, like as long as you can look out the windows you don't care (laughs) yeah it still feels like it could you know it still feels like i'm holding on because in the tie fighter they're holding onto these weird like controller stick things it's like it's not going to give me a one-to-one look of what it feels like to fly an x-wing it's it's not like the you know i don't know
1: okay so I, I i have a serious question for you and i think i know your answer but i think this is maybe a tougher question i don't mean this to be trite and smug i truly don't for you and then sub question for the average person or average gamer what sells vr better this
0: or alex I mean I think I think Alex I mean I'm speaking to somebody for whom Alex did nothing but um I think Alex is more the is more the the full promise of what vr can be as far as you know, being inside a world, manipulating all sorts of things, hand tracking, you know, inventory management, all the stuff that makes you feel like a real person in a world. But maybe for the average gamer where you can be seated, you can be sitting in a chair, holding a controller and still feel as immersed as anything else. This might do actually a better job of really understanding it's a display. Like the display matters, right? It's not... Just the idea of, oh, it tracks my hands and I'm in a place like, no, the, the display being all around you, having your head free swivel in that world, having it be three dimensional, looking down and seeing the, 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 the controls of this ship in front of you. I mean, looking up at the, at the windshield in your X-wing and seeing cracks and smears and smudges on the windscreen, you know, on the, on the glass And then you're looking past that to the galaxy and the spaceships that are flying. That's right. Because this might be a better sell
1: for me. And for, you know, I'm I'm making it, there's no such thing as an average gamer, right? I'm making it up, but it's like, Alex, for me, I, it's very immersive. I had a few tech problems, but also like there were still those weird little bumps that were nits for me that added up. But I feel like this, yeah. it's like it's that seated, it's, it is the real experience, because you are in a cockpit, and you can't right. jump out and do this, that, or the other. And I think like having that experience of, like, no, this is really what it's like. Unless you're playing in a warehouse at one of those void experiences, really walking, it's like, no, 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 no. You are sitting in a ship. Here you go. Yeah. Like, go fly this yeah, the, thing.
0: The level of complexity is low enough that it doesn't introduce any problems like the problems that you've described with Alex that I, I didn't experience but that you did like just just aren't present here because it's not attempting to to transcend that level of complexity, right? It's not right, attempting exactly. to provide that experience. Um
1: Man, yeah, that's exciting. I yeah, I'll see. I'll say I'm gonna wait, but then EA Access also comes like the same day as Mario meant, like that same time that new consoles are out and Cyberpunk well, is maybe out, and it's like like
0: I'll wait a month, and then that that month is like kaboom, all the games, <laughs> you know. And that's kind of how I felt too. I was so excited about Squadrons dropping. It just felt like this is it. This is the first of the fall, right? This is the big first fall release, and and then the deluge is on its way after this it's it's it feels like i'm so excited for Sp- i'm gonna replay all of spider-man i was reading yeah, like that we bl- didn't talk
1: about that anyway i'm rambling now and we're long but like I'm reading that blog post and i'm a sucker for ray tracing and uh
0: it's ugh. a bummer that it doesn't
1: let you bring your save over it is a bummer and that's one thing that microsoft i think has done a, a good job of of like hey it's you know all this stuff carries over and sony doesn't ha- i think their cloud saves are still paid um but i'm only speaking for myself here i would have started that game over again
2: anyway (laughs) yeah i'm kind of with you i'm just excited to to leading up to, to to miles morales i've just been wanting to replay it more and more and just seeing how many updates they've done to 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 the remaster has me so excited to replay the game so it is a bummer that you can't move it on, but for me personally, it it doesn't affect me because I would have started from scratch anyway. It looks so good,
1: yeah, I agree. Ah, uh, anyway, that's neither here nor there. It's not definitely not VR talk. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: all right. Uh, it's an exciting time of year, man. It's an exciting time of year, and it's it's really just well, here we are in October, and it's just going to keep going strong for the next few weeks, and and then we're we're into November, and then it's just all over. So that's why it's like, okay, wow, go ahead delay my my biggest fear as well is like okay we're gonna delay we're not coming out october 27th we're coming out november 19th it's like <laughs> no everything is november 19th uh so um i'm hoping there'll be a little more room for these hundred hour experiences which is like it's awesome right now to be able to play squadrons and be like yeah that's i mean I, although i got sucked into genshin impact uh and against the moon this week but i'm like I, you know i can play through this whole single player campaign and with squadrons and maybe play a little multiplayer with my friends and uh still you know be ready when the other big games are dropping so first world problems i suppose (laughs) all right well uh that's gonna do it for this episode of dlc we do have our parting gifts coming up so stick around for those but mario not bros thank you so much for being here sir it's been so much fun having you
2: oh my god thank you so much for having me it's been an absolute blast to get to talk to you guys Cool. Tell folks where they can keep up with you and the things that you do online. Hi, everybody. Um, Mario Not Bros is really where you can find me in most social media platforms. Twitter is what I use all the time. But at the end of the day, I'm on YouTube, youtube.com slash Mario Bros, where I make general YouTube videos about the gaming industry and my entertainment industries that I care about, even a little bit about sports. And I have a podcast called One Big Topic where I select the topic and a person that I think would be great to talk about with. And we start off conversation there and uh, yeah that's a great great place to to come check out where i'm all about
0: awesome very cool christian spicer how about you what do you got going on this week
2: well i am in
1: los angeles county and my vote by mail ballot has arrived if you are in california be on a lookout for yours as well and you can go to vote.org to make sure you got all your ducks in a row make your plan to vote vote early vote safely But vote, you can go to vote.org. They are a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization that wants to make sure that you are able to vote. So that is what I will be doing this week. I will be voting, and I encourage you to figure out the safest, best way for you to vote. Vote Vote.org is one possibility. I will also be hopefully watching the Lakers win an NBA championship, Mm. even though today's game was uh, rough. Um, And then Twitter's the best way to keep in touch, at Spicer. And, uh, there was something else, but it has just flown out of my mind. Wow. Like Jeff just going like into that. light speed. Well, I don't know. I guess that's it. <laughs> find find it on Twitter <laughs> at midnight,
0: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Uh, I have several other shows for you to check out, including the slash film cast, which is my movie and TV show review podcast you can find that at slash filmcast.com this week we're doing the deck the death of dick johnson so you can check that out uh, at slash filmcast.com and on that show i do reviews where i write a limerick and uh, i was asked to uh maybe write some limericks for other folks so you can get a personalized limerick or any other message that you want from me by visiting my cameo page if you go to cameo.com slash jeff canada uh, I've written fun limericks and special messages for people for all sorts of occasions, birthdays, anniversaries, all kinds of stuff. I even did a, an announcement of a childbirth. I did a, um, I did a, uh, a um, uh, what do they call those things? Scavenger hunt. I did a scavenger hunt. Uh, all kinds of fun stuff. So uh, check that out. Cameo.com slash Jeff Kanata. Get me to say whatever you'd like. And uh, I do the week have concerns podcast which is a comedy science show where you can learn something and laugh along the way we have concerns.com is where you find that and then the dungeon run my long play long form dungeons and dragons show oh man it's getting real good now this last week was an excellent one uh, all about the the team solving the riddle finding their way and some real surprising uh, there was a secret room at the end of the episode where one player learned a, a very, very secret thing that all the rest of the players didn't get to see. Uh, check it out. It's a really fun show. I'm very proud of it. You can find it by searching for The Dungeon Run anywhere you get podcasts or on YouTube. We have an awesome visual component to the show as well, The Dungeon Run there. Or you can watch live Wednesday nights, at 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run. All right. Let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is parting gift. Mario, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week?
2: Oh my God. If you love anything that is DC or comic book related, please go check out the Harley Quinn show on HBO Max, uh formerly on their the DC universe, whatever subscription service was. It's it's a really really great show that tosses all of the rules of the DC universe out the window and it's very funny. It's rated R. There's a lot of swearing, so just just advice don't watch it with your kids probably, but it's a lot of fun and it surprisingly has a a, a lot of heart and it's a very very bingeable show. I probably saw the whole thing in a week and a half. Definitely recommend you
0: guys check it out. Yeah, Christian and I are both big fans of that show as well. It's so clever, so funny. so yeah, it really man. is. Christian Spicer, how about you? Got a parting
1: gift? I have three quickies uh, because I just saw he added more. I thought originally today was the last one. So My first one is uh, my friend Justin Willman, who you might know for uh, from Magic for Humans on Netflix. He's doing, because of the COVID world, a show Magic for Humans at Home, and he does it over Zoom. Uh, my family and I watched the... You, buy a ticket and he it's a, it's a full show. It was like a little over an hour long and it's so well done. Justin is incredible. He's a, he's a great guy and his shows are great live, go live when you can. But for now magic for humans at home, I think he added a few more. They're family friendly and he's an incredible magician. Highly, highly recommend. That's part, that's one. Number two, if you're going to have photos taken of you pretending like you're working, clean the metadata before you post them. That is the second <laughs> parting gift. Like watch Ferris Bueller. You know what I mean? Like play the con, do it the right way. Scrub the metadata. That's the Ferris Bueller for 2020. And number three, the third one, uh, this did well for me. Not well, but people seem to really, it really resonated for people on Twitter. And we're not quite in the holidays yet, but use your vacation days. Use them. Take tomorrow off, you know, use them that's what they're for use them all use every single one now's the time as we talked about crunch and all that other stuff use your vacation days you're worth it and you deserve it use them
0: i don't have vacation days uh by the way christian can you just do dlc for me next week because i want to not yes (laughs) i've done done it before vacation so have you we've both we both covered for each other it is true Um, very good advice. Very good advice. Um, I have a, uh, a parting gift that I think Christian has talked about before, because I think you are in this club as well. I recently joined the Peloton club. I know it is a very, uh, very expensive club, but, uh, my wife and I decided that, you know, we, we canceled our gym memberships a long, long time ago when COVID started. Uh, we haven't had any expenditure on, on exercise and it shows <laughs> so we invested in a peloton uh, we heard the hype. star
1: wars squadrons on a peloton is that what you're Dude, doing now?
0: <laughs> there you go that's what i should be doing that's uh, level. yeah that's uh that little known uh rebel technology which is pedal your x-wing <laughs> into motion um i love it i really didn't think i was going to but it has been a blast i mean i we had Air that was unbreathable at my house. We've had 115 degree heat. It's the only way to exercise is by staying indoors. I, I'm usually a geek in sneaks who's running, but I, I couldn't do that for a long time. So it's been nice to be able to have uh, a a fan blowing on me as I ride a stationary bike. And and the Peloton makes it really fun. I have uh, I have been enjoying it. Um, so that's that's my review. Is the the classes really are engaging? There's something about, I don't know, Christian, maybe you can talk to this too. I know you have one. Um, there's something about like having to fiddle with stuff constantly. You know, they constantly make you fiddle with stuff, like change your, change your, uh, your tension, your, uh, what is it? Resistance. Change your resistance here. Change your resistance there. Change your pace. change. Your, and the fact that you're just constantly doing stuff throughout the whole thing makes the time go by. You don't have time. You don't have the bandwidth in your brain to think about like, oh, this I'm this hurts and I don't want to be doing this anymore because you're constantly having to do stuff, stand up out of the saddle, get back in the saddle, change your resistance, change it. And it's, so it's, um, change your cadence. Uh, so it actually, uh, makes the, makes the workouts go by faster. And I, I really work up a sweat and, and I feel like I'm, uh, losing some weight, which is good. So I recommend, uh, recommend it.
1: Try, uh, you know, on, I think there's an Apple TV app too. I think you're an Apple TV it probably doesn't work on the new Chromecast. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, but try their other, um, like there are other classes are re- you're already paying for the subscription. So like the yoga, yeah. some of this body weight strength stuff is also really well done. And if you're also fitness curious, but maybe don't want to take the expense on a Peloton look to, i w I'm very interested in the Apple plus fitness kind of thing too. Cause it's the same thing, right? It's like yeah. good engage. Well, it appears to be, I haven't tried the Apple one, but like good engage classes with people that do distract you, right? Like that's their, right. their job is to lead you and get you motivated and distract you. So, you don't realize it's been an hour of you on a
0: bike by yourself. That's <laughs> kind of gamifying it, right? It's like, look at this number. Is that number what the you want? All you, have, all the only thing is in your mind is this number. What's what's this number doing? And it's like, there's something there's something useful about that, too. Um, anyway, so we also got a listener suggested parting gift uh, along the same lines. This one was sent to us by Sam. Uh, Sam writes to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. I love that you're both Geeks and Sneaks, and I, too, share that passion. In fact, I am a professional triathlete. It's my job to swim, bike, and run around the world. How cool is that, you guys? That's pretty awesome. Wow. Uh, Yeah, but how much VR
1: do you play? Huh? Come at me. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Uh,
0: The main reason for me sending this email is I wanted to show you guys the world of Zwift, Z-W-I-F-T. I am in no way affiliated with this program, but essentially... It is a video game where you cycle with your own bike at home on a stationary trainer that broadcasts you into a cycling world with thousands of other people. It's kind of like an MMO where everyone is riding together in a world. With its uh, with the current world climate, I have not had any races since February earlier this year, but with this Zwift program, I've held virtual races where other professional triathletes from around the world raced against each other virtually. It's kind of cool that it is melding my passions for video games and sports into one game. You can level up and earn new bikes, wheels, cycling helmets, and shoes, kind of like you do in an actual MMO. Anyway, I just thought you guys would find this fascinating and have linked to a YouTube video of one of the races I did earlier this year in the program. Uh, And I I checked it out. This Zwift, uh, Z-W-I-F-T, it's hardcore. It's intense. These are serious
1: cyclists. Oh, okay, <laughs> Also, I
0: not- made a joke about VR, but also
1: shout out. Like, as a f- pretty good collegiate track athlete, the idea of being a professional triathlete, like, it's yeah, it's god tier. It's like decathletes, triathletes. Yeah, that that's it for me. That's where it stops. Like,
0: it's yeah. ugh, unbelievable. Yeah. I wonder how many iron mans Sam has done. Um, very, very cool stuff here. So, uh, yeah, check out Zwift. If you, if you can, uh, you can hang, I I'm guessing that there is, I mean, the video that he showed is the, the coolest of the cool, but I'm guessing there's like a intro level or a, a beginner kind of less intense level. Um, I wonder if they, I wonder if it'd be cool if they could make that work with Peloton. But uh, I don't know if it does. Anyway, thank you, Sam. Really interesting parting gift. If you'd like to have a parting gift uh, on our show, send it to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We appreciate all of those. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Uh, thanks again to Mario, not Bros and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L. Sean Madigan and zero star for the cool bumpers. Uh, thanks to all of the folks hanging out in our chat room in real time, making the show better. We appreciate you and thank you to each and every one of you who download the show every week. Boy, it's awesome of you to do that. Thanks. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.